Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning and welcome to Celebration Church. My name is Joel. I'm one of our pastors here. Uh, If you're new, stick around after the service. Talk to Libby. She's the one in the floral outfit just there in the front row. She'll be at the uh, hello desk after the service if you want to come over for our welcome to church lunch. If you're new, um, stick around. It'd be great to get to know you. How are you, China? Doing good? That's nice. Um... Some just little in-house news update. Joey and Beth send their love with little Elijah. They are back. Um, They're out of hospital, which is great news. Uh, They'll hopefully be here soon. I want them to share. There's a bunch of testimonies that they've sent through of just God doing miracles across uh, the first two weeks of Elijah's life, Um, but I want them to share them. So make sure you're praying for them. If you want any information or want to know how you can help, talk to Mark and Chloe, and they will give you all the goss all the juicy gossip, and they'll give you some things you can do to be a part of that. Or just turn up at their house um, and just demand things. That'd be awesome. Um, I've got uh, two things to share with us this morning. So instead of giving you one long message, I'm going to give you two short ones. And I'm going to give you an intermission between where you can get up, you can stretch, you can have a cigarette if you like. Um, No youth. The youth were very vocal then. Um... But two different things. Is that okay? China, you can, you can relax. Good, good. Yeah, have a good time. Um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, it says this verse that we love to quote. Uh, For we live by faith and not by... Oh, look at you guys go. We live by faith and not by sight. This verse is often used uh, to validate blindness, <laughs> to validate uh, living a life of unanswered questions, to live a life that is even childlike. We get terms like childlike faith, which for the record is not in the Bible anywhere. In case you were wondering, childlike faith is never mentioned by Jesus or to have childlike faith. He talks about being childlike, but it's not a reference to faith at all. We know that because faith isn't mentioned, the Greek word pistis, 40 verses either side of every reference of being childlike. When we're talking about being childlike in the Bible, we're talking about the humility of a child and we're talking about the curiosity of a child. It is not the fact that I choose to be ignorant, it is the pursuit of God. To be childlike is to keep on leaning into God, to keep on trusting God. It's not simply just to not know and be okay with that. It's to not know and want to know desperately. Um, We have this uh, scripture in Matthew 15 verse 14 that helps us know that the goal of faith is not to be blind. And this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Actually, the verse before, I'm pretty sure the verse before, two verses before this, this statement gets made by one of Jesus' disciples, the Pharisees are offended What should we do? Which is fantastic. And this is Jesus' response. Um, Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. So the goal of being a Jesus follower is not simply to live by faith and not by sight and to be blind and just kind of trust that God will work things out. Blind is not a goal. There's this quote by a guy called um, Mark. Shout out to all the Marks. Um, And it says, 
The eyes are useless when the mind is blind. That there is something about the pursuit of wisdom and the pursuit of understanding and the pursuit of knowledge when it comes to the things of God that is an admirable pursuit. To simply just be like, I'm a child, so I'm not going to grow. No, children grow. Children ask questions. If you've ever had a little child before, well, children between the ages of two and five, there's a, a psychologist from Harvard that did this study and, and believes that the average child between those years asks 40,000 questions. So those parents that scream at their kids, because I said so, that's because you have been worn down by the curiosity of a child. It's actually um, interesting that by the age of 11 or 12, that the average is less than one question a day. It goes down to some of that is because, you know, you ask questions to learn the world, to learn your part in the world, and by that age, you kind of work some things out. Some of it is you're bombarded by school and so much information. To ask a question would just be a teacher telling you to do more things, and you're terrified, so you just sit there quietly. Some of it's puberty, and you just if I ask a question... I'm going to look dumb, I don't want to look dumb in comparison, I've got to get a test done, there's so many things. But to keep on asking good questions, not to be okay with our blindness, is a good pursuit. Luke uh, 11 verse 9 to 10 says this, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened." The context of Luke and the reference of Matthew is really important to understand what Jesus is asking. He's talking about prayer and praying God's kingdom on earth. It is not a pursuit of asking for something that you want. It's a pursuit of asking for what he wants. The context is like one of the three questions that Jesus answered is this question of how do I pray? To ask for his kingdom to be done on earth for you to be involved with those things. But the scripture that I actually want to share with us this morning around this first thought is found in James 1 verse 5. And it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously, everyone say generously, to all without finding fault. You asking questions doesn't mean God looks down on you shamefully, finds faults in you, is disappointed that you would even ask. No, He will give generously towards you without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Let me pray before we uh, get into the meat of this. Hey, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. You're not here just to observe, you're here to be involved in our lives. We ask, Jesus, there will be no stone in us that goes unturned this morning that you would enlighten your word to us, that we would be a church that is willing to progress into maturity, that we would endure through questions, trials, and tests, that we would let you make us perfect and not lacking anything, that your word, your truth, your wisdom would be our guide above every other thing. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Helen Keller. Helen Keller was born a normal baby, but at the, ages of no, at the age of 19 months, um, got an infection which resulted her being blind, deaf, and mute, which is not a good combination of three things to have. 
She learned at roughly the age of seven through a teacher how to read and write. And if you want to go watch her teacher, there's a video. The person that taught Helen Keller how to do this shows how she's teaching someone else to do this. And it involves face touching and it's so interesting and it's just kind of creepy. Um, but you can, you can watch it. Helen Keller was the first person to graduate with a bachelor's degree that was deaf, blind and mute. Like some of us like struggle with algebra in year eight and she, she, she's learnt how to communicate to the world. She's actually known for being an author, which is an interesting thing to be known for when you're deaf, blind and mute. But there's this quote from Helen Keller which helps us um, understand the importance of not um, looking just at our weaknesses and being limited by them. And the quote is this, um, the one thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. This morning, the simple thought I want to share with us um, is this, just ask. That there is something about children, the 40,000 questions that the average toddler to starting school asks, something that is described in Luke and in Matthew and Mark and in John as this pursuit of asking and seeking and knocking when it comes to the thing of, things of God is rewarded. And it's not rewarded with everything that you want. It's rewarded with everything that you need to fulfill kingdom coming to earth. I'm not entirely sure how many questions you ask. I don't know if you're the person that just goes to work and is just, just knuckles down and tries to get through the day and just try and cover up your mistakes as best you can so you don't get fired or, or you, you have an open curiosity that is childlike that you want to learn, that you want to grow. Ask yourself the question, the last time you met someone, what questions did you ask? <laughs> when you catch up with people, do you ask questions? Do you want to learn? Do you want to grow? Ask yourself in your own relationship with God, what questions do you have? What things are you wrestling? What things are you not okay with just not having an answer and saying that it's, it's blind faith and that's going to somehow impress God? If we go back to this scripture for we live by faith and not by sight. The word here, faith, means pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And the faith described in the Bible is not a blind faith. It is described as divine persuasion. When we're talking about faith, we're talking about God providing evidence and truth and revelation that you can build your life upon. It is not blind trust, I trust God and have no idea. It's no, God has shown me an attribute of himself. He has spoken something to me, therefore I have faith. We understand that faith comes from hearing the word of God. Faith does not come from hearing my voice. Faith does not come from hearing your husband or your wife or your child or your leader's voice. Faith comes from you allowing God to speak to you. The word sight here simply means uh, the outward appearance. So when it comes to us being Jesus followers, our goal is not to, be uh, not to live by an outward experience, but to live off a divine persuasion. I believe God because he said this and that's enough for me. That isn't blind, church. That is the most concrete thing you could ever live on. Living off the voice and the prompting and the truth of our King Jesus is definitely not blind. 
And there's something about the curiosity of a child that I hope will encourage you this morning as I share three simple hows out of this first thing of just ask. These are my three simple hows on how to ask or how to see clearly. The first is honour the person. I don't know if you are afraid of dentists, but most people have some experience at some point in their life where you're afraid of dentists. It could be the fact that they use drills on the bones in your mouth, and that's a terrifying thought. Maybe it's because you don't brush your teeth, and you only brush your teeth before you go to the dentist, so it looks like you brush your teeth, and they see all the blood in your gums, and they think you're doing good. I'm not entirely sure what happens with dentists. I didn't see a dentist until I was 18 because I grew up poor, and we couldn't afford Medicare, which is free. (laughs) And I went and I was fine, but then I had to go back because they did some damage. So the whole dentist thing is a scam. I don't know. Just want to check out some conspiracies. It's been a while since the world's had some conspiracies. It's been a couple of years now. I've got to add some in. But when I took Jem and Elle, they're my children, um, to the dentist, I do something that maybe not many parents do. Now, what is it? You're all thinking, oh my gosh, what does he do? One of the things that I do with Jeremiah and Ellie before we go to the doctor or before we go to the dentist is I sit them down in the car normally because we're early, because we go everywhere early. Um, and I ask them this question, you're about to go see someone that's done eight, nine, ten years of study. What questions do you have? Because dad is about to pay this person to do something. This person is an employee of your father. I'm about to drop some cash, or I'm going to drop my wife's cash, but I'm going to drop some cash, (laughs) clinical psychologist life. Um, Rich, um, just all the young people, marry up. Marry so you're financially secure. Get a provider in your home. But I ask them this question, like, do you have any questions to ask? Like, what are teeth? Why do, I have, why do I have teeth? Why do I need to look after teeth? Why do some things, have, why are you a dentist? Why did you become a dentist? Is it hard to be a dentist? Um, can I rip out my teeth? Can I get gold grills right now? I want gold teeth. Why do I brush baby teeth? They're all going to fall out anyway. Do you have questions to ask? Because one of the things, and I do that with them at school, I do that with different situations, is because I want them to learn. School beat learning out of me. Like most, by the age of 11 or 12, I stopped asking questions that I had to relearn by the Holy Spirit how to ask the type of questions that are going to get the type of answers that I need to build my life. So the first how is honor the person in front of you. Honor them. Jeremiah and Ellie have an opportunity, not to be, and it gives them their voice as well. They're no longer afraid of some authority figure that has a drill in their hand. Like they're they're there understanding that this adult works for them. I tell Jim about school and teachers and a whole bunch of things and who's really his boss and, and what's actually happening and how to get through and how to succeed in these areas. But if you honor the person, you can actually start to receive things that you don't have to do 10 years of study to get. Instead of just sitting there, I do this at the GP. I ask GPs unusual questions. Like, what happens if I don't treat this rash? How cool is it going to get? Am I going to get, like, a shell on my back? Is, it gonna, is there a point that this becomes, like, a protective thing? Um, because in my head, it's the same with the teachers. These teachers work. I say, your teachers work for mum and dad. It's their job to teach you. It's their job to learn. It's your job to learn. Honor the person. 
I encourage Gem and Ellie to ask, why, does their, why is their teacher a teacher? What do you like about your job? They, they're four, five, four, four, turning five, three weeks, seven, eleven, eleven, seven. That's their birthdays. I timed it perfectly. I want them to make their teachers better. I want them to learn how to honour and how to receive from, and I don't want them to get that beaten out of them through school. I want them to get through school and still have questions that are unanswered that are making them better. So honour the person. The second thing is develop curiosity. There's uh, 410-ish questions that Jesus asks in the Gospels. He's asked about 307-ish. He answers three. The Gospels are filled with questions more than answers. The three questions that he answers is, how do I pray? Pilate asks him, are you really the king? And then uh, these are three direct answers. Uh, The third one is, what is the greatest commandment? These are direct answers that he gives, but there's this culture of curiosity, this culture inside of first century Jerusalem of, of asking questions rather than just pursuing a simple answer that I can apply to my life. No, your questions say more about you than your answers what you're willing to pursue. And questions really help you frame up your life and what you don't know yet. I don't know why my connect group isn't growing. I don't know why that person isn't saved in my family yet. Is there something I'm not doing? Is there a light that I'm not shining? Is there a fire that I'm not fanning into flame that they can't see? You don't have to invite people to a good party. So is there something about my life that isn't isn't as attractive as the gospel that Jesus presented that resulted in thousands and thousands of people walking out and following him into deserts and not having enough food to eat. There's something, the questions that I ask, this curiosity to know more and to be grown in my wisdom and knowledge is a good pursuit. Be curious when you're meeting people. And the last thing, how to ask good questions, forget and correct. Asking questions is the posture of someone that admits they don't know everything. To ask good questions, you have to be willing to forget a revelation that you once had and allow it to be corrected to something new. So I want to ask you the question, no matter your age is 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, 120, 130, 140, 150, dog years, 780. Um, Why do they get different years? I'm not sure. I'm going to giggle that later. Ask questions. What questions are you asking of God? What things are you wrestling out? Another way of saying it is what prayers are you praying? What things are you coming before God and being like, God, could you, could you help me to see this how you see this? Could you help me to bring heaven to earth? Is there something in me, Psalms, that offends you, God? Can you correct it? Can you... Could there be less of me, John the Baptist, and more of you, Jesus? Is there just something in my posture that could be childlike? That I don't know everything, but I want to. I'm going to ask 40,000 questions. I'm not going to stop because when I, I don't know if you know this, I do. When I was 11, I didn't have all the answers. So stopping asking the questions could not possibly have been that I'm mature and grown. So if you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, you also don't have the, all the answers the same way that an 11-year-old doesn't because your brain compared to God's brain is not even close to the maturity of an 11-year-old. So ask questions. Wrestle things with God. Wrestle it for a year or two years. Ask it eight different ways. Ask everyone in the church. Press in. If you've got 
questions about worship, then, then sit with some of our worship team that have been doing this for year after year after year after year. You come in late, but they keep on worshiping year after year after year after year. Ask a question. Grow to be grown. The warning and promise I want to give you is really simple. Um, what, will, uh, what you ask will be rewarded. The questions that you ask, the seeking that take place, the knocking that you do, NLT translation of that scripture is really cool. You should go read it. Um, will be rewarded. So, a lack of asking, a lack of seeking, and a lack of knocking cannot possibly get the answers that you need. Passive sitting, just saying, I just trust God from afar. Why do you trust God? What do you know of Him? He wants a relationship. He doesn't want some blind faith where you don't see Him. He wants you to see Him. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to walk with Him. He wants His ways and His thoughts to invade yours because yours aren't His yet. So my challenge, ask the right questions. Some of us have been persevering, persevering through seasons because we just haven't asked the right questions yet. We haven't been real enough. We haven't been childlike enough, humble enough to say, God, I want to live by faith. Will you persuade me with your truth? Will you, will you help me to be a witness of your truth? Will you show it to me? Will you reveal it to me? Because the scripture that we base this on is, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.